Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we gather together this night, Lord, to celebrate the supper that you have given us as a foretaste of the feast to come, Lord, a taste of your Son's body and blood as you bind us together as one within that body. Lord, we would ask this night that you break your word small, fit for our consumption. In your name we pray this. Amen. In the history of Maundy Thursday, the day itself within the church year was recognized as Holy Thursday. And as the tradition expanded, it became Command Thursday, and eventually, in Latin, Mandatus, to what we know as Maundy Thursday. To come from the command that Jesus gives to his disciples on the night that he is betrayed. Having washed his disciples' feet. And he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And in this we see no greater love than for a man to lay down his life for another. No one wants to be forgotten. We want to be remembered for something. We don't want to just fade off into the distance. We want to make an impact. But memories are fragile and easily broken. And actually, we tend to recreate memories for ourselves the way that we imagine them to be or as the way that we remember something happening. And we want our positives remembered and our negatives forgotten. And this whole narrative, as we are commanded to love one another as we have been loved, the man that sticks out perhaps more than any other for doing the opposite of that is Judas Iscariot. How can a man love his teacher, his rabbi, the one that they have called Lord, the one that they have followed so faithfully, and yet sell him out? For a mere 30 pieces of silver. Judas is remembered as the betrayer. And it sticks with him. It's even synonymous. If someone breaks your trust, then you can easily call them a Judas. And yet he is not the only one in Scripture that has defied God's law and gone against what he was told to do. He's not the only one that's been unfaithful. King David is lauded as a great king. One of the last 
kings, he and Solomon, of a unified Israel. And yet we tend to overlook the fact that not only was he a great king, but he was also an enormous adulteress, adulterer. But we can overlook that. We can overlook his unfaithfulness to God in that aspect because we can see that he was a great king and through his line and house comes Jesus. Oh, we remember Paul the Apostle. And we like to think of Paul as the great missionary into the ancient world that carried the gospel far and wide and yet... The man as Saul was a zealous persecutor of the faith. How we are to be remembered is a matter of legacy. In other words, those things, what we leave behind us in death. And this theme of remembrance permeates everything that we do for the next four days. However, the kind of remembrance that we are so accustomed to this legacy that we leave stands in stark contrast to what we see in Scripture. And in fact, if we used the Bible, the Word of God, as our guideline, we really don't want to be remembered at all. And in fact, we need to be forgotten. The prophet Jeremiah speaks as God's voice to the people of Israel. And he says, Behold, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant. Foreshadowing everything that we have seen and heard thus far tonight in our readings. And at the end of the passage, God says, I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. The only way that we can truly forgive and forget is to let God do the heavy lifting for us. You see, Maundy Thursday, by the rubric, the little red letters that kind of give the instructions in our hymnals and in our liturgy, explains that Maundy Thursday is a celebration of restrained joy. Because we know what is to come. My best memories are still nothing next to my worst day in heaven. And yet, I will still enjoy keeping them close and living them, enjoying them in this life. And we thank God for those gifts. 
But in fact, there are no glory days. There's no day where we can look back into the past and say, yeah, I remember when it was so much better back then? I wish that we could go back then. Instead, God intentionally makes it so that we are constantly moving forward. Paul the Apostle, not Saul the Persecutor, writes in Philippians 3, And he actually addresses his own credentials and legacy so that he can stand out and say, if anyone has reason to boast, it's this guy. I had the right birth. I carried the right bloodline. I bore the right citizenship. I've suffered. I've been imprisoned. You name it, I've been there. I've done that. I'm better than you. And yet... It means nothing. In fact, he says it is all rubbish compared to being made righteous by Christ and forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Our remembrance, our legacy is dependent upon our own flawed and fragile memories. So then what? What happens when we forget? What happens if we are forgotten? We cease to exist in the history. Remember as we began Lent with Ash Wednesday? Dust you are, from dust you came, and from dust to dust you shall return. Yet amazingly, we are a people of rich histories, committed to ensuring that only the best parts of history repeat itself. See, in fact, God actually gives his people explicit instructions to how they should live in remembrance. After they have come out of Egypt and crossed through the Red Sea, and as they are wandering in the desert, God tells them, this is how you are to remember the Passover. You're going to do it all over again. And you're not going to stop until I say so. See, Jesus was a good Jew. Perhaps the best. Because in keeping the best parts, he is faithful in obeying his Father's command as he celebrates the Passover meal tonight. And as he sees this prophecy made by Jeremiah about, behold, I will make a new covenant. He says, take eat, this is my body. Take drink, this is my blood. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. 
You see, the whole of the Passover celebration is done by a command so that God's people would never be forgotten. And they would never forget how God brought them from death to life, from captivity to freedom. But you see, in Hebrew culture, the word remembrance takes on a whole different meaning because it's not just simply tell the story. It's actually to embody it. For it to become a part of you and to be woven deeply into your DNA. Not as an actor, but as a participant. So that God makes you partakers in the work of his story. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is about to seal the new covenant that will guarantee that our sin is forgotten and that our legacy can look like him and not like us any longer. And we remember the story that God weaves because we partake in it every single time we gather around His table and get together around His Word. This is where He is found. This is where He makes us His body. But first we must break and be broken to set aside our need to be remembered to set aside the desire to strive for the past and the present and to do so in light of this new future our remembrance of the past of as we celebrate it tonight, makes the hope and promise of this life in Christ our own. We pray. Lord, let me remember and be remembered by who I am in you, where my sin is forgotten, and where my love for others calls others to remember you too, so that you always get the glory now and forevermore. Amen.